Hey, what's up? You're listening to Go Check Yourself. This is season three, episode three, Chuck versus the Angel de la Muerte. That uh, translates to Chuck versus the Angel of Death. Now, if you're one of our American listeners, you may know that Daylight Savings, it may have happened to you. It may not. It's kind of all very confusing, but you may today feel like an angel of death because you've lost an hour of sleep. Or you may feel like an angel of death because, like me, you played paintball over the weekend and you're covered in bruises. Um, thank you for listening. We are very happy to have you. This is a very special episode, and you will uh, find out why pretty soon. If you'd like to get in touch with us, um, you can email us at gocheckyourselfpodcast at gmail.com. Or please, 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 please follow us on Twitter at gochuckpodcast. We've possibly messed up that uh, that tag in the past, so uh, if you're following the tag that we used to give, that's fine. We give them a follow, but also give us a follow. We would we uh, we put out content. We would like to put out more. If you'd like to see it, please follow us. Um, I had this dumb idea that I was going to sing the Angel of Music, so I guess I'm going to play play this intro out. Um, how does it go? Thank you for listening to us. Please enjoy this episode. from around the world, specifically one particular country. You're listening to Go Chuck Yourself. Ciao! My name is Chris Gillespie. My name is Aaron Arada. And you are listening to a very special episode of Go Chuck Yourself! You should have learned how to say Go Chuck Yourself in Italian. That would have it's been pretty just, good. It's just Go Chuck Yourself. I looked into it. <laughs> this is uh, Go Chuck Yourself. This is Season 3, Episode 3. Chuck versus... The Angel de la Morte. Now that is not Italian, but today we are doing a celebration of the great nation of Italy because, as you may or may not have heard, Chuck, or not Chuck, but Go Chuck Yourself, our show, is the number one television review podcast on Apple Podcasts in Italy. Woo! Woo! I don't know. I have no idea where they would have heard that, Chris. Uh, it was on Reddit. Maybe go to Reddit, Aaron, and check oh, it out. Who, where was it on Reddit? It was from something that I wrote on Reddit. Oh, okay. All right, great. I thought someone else had alerted you to it, so I was no. I was going to thank them. But if it was just you, I don't care. I don't read your nope. posts. No, you do not. <laughs> uh, I don't know if we are currently, at the time of listening, still the number one uh, television review oh, podcast in be. Italy. But it's just like, you know, when someone wins an Academy Award, they're always from that point on known as Academy Award winner Matthew McConaughey or or even if you get nominated, it's like Academy Award nominee Jonah yeah. Hill. So we are just, number one TV review podcast on Apple Podcasts in Italy, Chris Gillespie and Aaron Arata. That's right. And I think it's a tremendous honor. This is obviously... You know, we'd be happy with any kind of uh, recognition from any any nation. I not any nation. I don't think we'd want to be like the number one podcast in North Korea. But I I wouldn't say no to that. <laughs> okay, I guess we'll talk about that <laughs> off air. But this is 
I think Italy is a a wonderful country. And not only that, but they're like, if you think about it, they're really the tastemakers for the rest of Western civilization. These are the people they did the Roman Empire. They did the Renaissance. They, they did Da Vinci. Opera, da Vinci, pizza, spaghetti. These are they know what they're talking about. And the fact that Italians are gravitating to our show, I think can only mean greatly just it's I think it's very good for us. Yes. They have fine taste in wines and and oils and and all of that. So I am, listeners in Italy, hello. I am so honored. Uh, thank you, Italian listeners. Um, we beat out what my, when I was visiting my parents last week, the thing that they were fond of telling to all their friends and neighbors was that we beat out Game of Thrones, which I want to be clear. We didn't beat Game of Thrones. We beat a Game of Thrones review podcast in the country of Italy. Um, we also beat Peppa Pig, though. So that was... <laughs> What <laughs> what is a Peppa Pig podcast entail? Do they just know. talk about different episodes, or do children listen to episodes of so a Peppa I think Pig podcast? You and I should listen to the Peppa Pig podcast, but our Italian listeners should not because we want to stay above Peppa Pig. So no one no. else listen to this podcast. We will, and we'll tell you what it says. <laughs> Keep listening to us only, and we will tell you everything <laughs> you need to know about other podcasts. Yes, do not download anything else. This is why we are going to go to number one in North Korea. This, no, we're not doing that. Uh, so to celebrate it, and I was planning on doing this anyways to celebrate Italy. And then Aaron had brought up that it's actually very fitting that this episode is about Italy because there's a one of the guest stars is an Italian actor. Yes. So it works out well. Uh, there's a lot of dealing with international policy, I mm-hmm. guess, in this episode. So there's that kind of connection. Mm-hmm. But uh I want to keep the the spirit of Italy going throughout this episode. So I will periodically be mentioning fun facts about Italy <laughs> as we celebrate the 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 nation of Italy. And I'll just we, be drinking Italian wine, eating yes. some pasta right here. I got a big bowl of some pasta carbonara. We're red, white and green here on Go Check Yourself. And to kick us off, I would like to start with our first fun fact about Italy. Uh, Aaron, did you know that including its islands, Italy has a coastline and a border of 4,722 miles, or as they would measure it in everywhere besides America, 7,600 kilometers. And it's shaped like a boot. It is shaped like a boot. So great. With that under our fashionable Italian belts, which we are both wearing in honor of Italy, um, let's get into the episode. So the season of Aaron continues because I am super into this opening, let me tell you. We open on a class in progress at the UCLA Med School in 2000. Professor Dr. Something Whatever is leading the class in the dissection of a human cadaver. He establishes that it's the first day of school, and I I know med school is hard, but like, I they were coming in hot with like asking you to dissect a dead body on the first day. Like I've, I've never been in med school, but that just seems like a lot to do. Like they don't even, they don't even go around the room and do like icebreakers first. Like, come on. It's the first day of class. They should be talking about the syllabus. We should be sitting down and looking at the syllabus. Exactly. So the doctor asked for a volunteer to demonstrate some heart surgery thing and no one volunteers. So he picks up his roster and calls Devin's name, but Devin's not there. Then the doctor picks Ellie. Ellie's also not there. 
He says, I hope wherever they are, they're getting an appreciation of the human body. And at this point, I got amped. I was like, I know what's happening. We cut to a supply closet where Ellie and Devin are about to fuck. I think we're, it's OK because I think the Italians are probably pretty progressive in the culture. You know, they do a lot of I, I don't want to offend any Italians listening. So well, I, hope I mean, that's the, okay pope, with- the pope, the pope, the, the, the papacy, I guess I don't <laughs> think the pope is Italian, but like. We we don't know who our Italian listeners are. So if our Italian mm. listener is the Pope, then but the he Pope might is not. He's he lives in Vatican City, which is its That's own true. sovereign okay. thing, That's, surrounded by Italy. So you're making it's a not, good point. It's not the Pope. We can say definitively that the Pope is not listening to this podcast. Well, we can't. We can't say that. Well, I mean, I guess you look at the stats, and there's not one from Vatican City. Yeah, I I don't think it's from Vatican City. Okay. Well, sorry, sorry, Pope. But maybe, maybe he'll, maybe he'll tune in. Anyway, are, so. Do you think the Pope listens? Maybe the Pope listens to the Peppa Pig podcast. That's, yes. That's why he's, he's uh, boycotting us, actually. Here's a tongue twister. The Pope prefers Peppa Pig's podcast primarily. I'm going to work on it. Sorry, go ahead. Okay. Keep going. Ellie and Devin exchange names. And Ellie says she doesn't usually make out with strangers in closets. Devin says they're not strangers because they know each other's names. And it's hot. It's really hot. Did you think that was hot? It is hot like one of Italy's 14 volcanoes. Ah! Four of which are active. You Ooh. have Etna, Stromboli, Volcano, and Vesuvius. I know Vesuvius. Oh, don't get me started on Vesuvius. <laughs> so we cut to 2009, which is when this show takes place, if you forgot. I immediately got nervous because I realized that... Uh, we, we might have some uh, juxtaposition of Ellie and Devin meeting versus married life. So I was a little bit nervous. I wanted more kissing. I did not want more strife. Unfortunately, you know, there's actually a very special genre of entertainment that is basically just kissing and other sexy stuff without any strife. I don't know if you've ever heard of this, but it's called pornography. It's, uh, yeah, well, I'm familiar with the work of Irene Demova. So, hey, yo. Unfortunately, the writers of Chug didn't hear my pleas. Ellie and Devin are in the midst of moving across the courtyard, you may remember. And Ellie misses the people they were at their wedding. She also mentions that Chuck was supposed to help them move, but didn't show up. This scene ends pretty sweetly, with Devin suggesting they take a break from moving. Ellie comments that there have been a lot of helicopters passing overhead lately. We cut to Chuck wearing parachuting-type gear, so we know he's the reason for all the helicopters. He walks into his bedroom, and who should spin around his computer chair but a ninja? Just kidding, it's Devin. Devin is all impressed with Chuck's spy stuff. Chuck lays out a typical mission, and I'll note for Chris that even Chuck knows that the usual rundown is a bad guy throwing a fancy party in order to sell or buy a weapon. So, that's just the thing, Chris, you gotta get used to it. Chuck is about to take off his bulletproof vest, but Devin suggests Chuck leave it on to come over and help set up him and Ellie's TV. Ellie and Chuck have a kind of nice brother-sister moment when Chuck goes over and Devin says Chuck could have been a surgeon with his hands. Ellie says, I'd settle for him being on time. And I, I like that. They kind of give each other like a little a little look. It reminded me of you and Molly. thought it was cute. You know, brothers and sisters just having some banter. Once the TV is set up, Chuck flashes on a news report about a South American dictator type guy who the CIA has ordered killed on multiple occasions. Chuck gets a text from Sarah that he should report to Castle. At around the same time, Devin gets a call to report to the ER right away, so I guess we know how this episode will play out. Chuck and Devin leave, and Ellie is left alone, which kind of sucks. At Castle, Beckman confirms the inevitable, which is the premiere. This this guy is called the premiere. 
Um, he's being treated at Devin and Ellie's hospital, and she wants Chuck to steal his medical records or get at Devin and Ellie to steal them and get get them from them. Uh, we get a nice cut from Beckman telling Chuck that if anything happens to the premiere, she holds Chuck responsible, which I don't understand why. I understand why she puts, like, why she gives Chuck jobs, but when she's like, Chuck, you're responsible for the fate of this mission. I mean, he has a team, and I don't know why he has to be wholly responsible. It's fine. The premier's guard says the same thing to Devin. So unlike Chuck versus the Broken Heart, where Devin was in the dark about the spy stuff, I feel like we're going to get some parallels between Devin's life and Spy's life, and maybe Devin will get to do some cool stuff. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm pretty excited at this point about how the episode is playing out. After the credits, we go to a press conference where the press is interviewing Devin about the surgery he performed on the premiere. Apparently, Devin's surgery skills are so good that the premiere has already been released from the hospital, even though it's only been like two hours. Devin answers one question in Spanish, although he does say muy awesome, so I don't really know how impressive that is, although it is supposed to be impressive. Also, I was just confused. I don't think they usually do a press conference with doctors. Like, I I, I guess I don't watch the news enough, but like, did this seem weird to you? Devin's just leading a press conference? I, think, I don't think it's that outlandish. I think because this is a foreign head of state. Okay. I think that the doctors would have to have some kind of like professional. They would have to communicate with the media somehow. All right. Maybe, and then maybe it would do like a press conference like that. I didn't think it was too crazy. Okay, sure. All right. Um, Sarah and Casey tell Chuck to talk to Devin about what really happened to the premiere to find out if his heart attack was an assassination attempt or not. So Chuck goes to talk to Devin. Devin asks Chuck if the CIA wants to debrief him. And Chuck is like, I am debriefing you right now. That's what this is, which I enjoyed. Devin reveals that the premiere was actually poisoned with potassium, so don't eat too many bananas, or you too might be poisoned with potassium. That's not true. I don't, I mean, if you ate like hundreds of them, maybe, I don't really know. Um, Devin also says he's bored with married life and really wants to get in on some spy action. Chuck says no, because Ellie would kill him. So just a day after his heart attack, the premiere is doing what? But hosting a party. Beckman assigns Chuck, Sarah, and Casey to sneak in and guard him from any future assassination attempts, but they have to do so on the DL. She explains that they can't tell him his life is in danger because he won't trust the U.S. This is... I think this came up in another episode before. It it makes sense that the premiere might not trust them, and maybe he wouldn't let American people guard him, but I feel like they could still tell him that he's in danger so that he would up his own guard. I, I feel like... This The logic here doesn't completely make sense, but that's fine. Since sneaking into the consulate means they're technically invading foreign soil, Beckman tells the team that their mission is off the books, and if they're caught, they'll get disavowed and they'll have to stay in a Costa Gravin prison. Casey says he'll have to recuse himself from the mission because in Costa Gravas, he's a wanted man known as the Angel of Death. Chuck is dubious that the Premier would even still remember Casey, but right at that moment, the courtyard fills with Costa Gravin soldiers. Instead of going to Casey's door, though, they go straight to Devin and Ellie's. The premiere thanks the shirtless, sweaty Devin for saving his life and invites him and Ellie to the consulate for his gala. And I really like him. He's pretty chill. He's played by Armand Asante. And I, I liked it. I was I was picking up what he was putting down. He was he was fun. One of the many great artists and uh, talents to come out of the, the spectacular country of Italy. His his father is Italian. Just oh, no. just to be clear. 
Um, he's he's American. He was born in New York, but he's, he's Italian American. Yes. Okay. Chuck bursts out of Casey's apartment and says, "Did somebody say something about a gala?" Apparently, the premier is the world's most hospitable dude. That's probably why I like him because he's like, "Bring your brother too. The escort will be here at seven. So Chuck gets his in, and we find out in a second that means Sarah can go to the gala too, which is nice. Ellie is really excited for an evening of romance. So I'm just excited to see how this plays out. But Chris, you can tell us more about that. Later that night at the gala, Chuck and Sarah and Devin and Ellie arrive. Uh, Despite being invited to this gala a mere hours ago, Devin and Ellie are dressed for the red carpet. (laughs) Devin is uh, wearing a tuxedo and Ellie is wearing a beautiful gown and has her hair done and makeup. And yeah, they look great. they They were invited at like what? Like maybe anywhere between 11 a.m. and 2 p.m. And now this gala is probably happening at like 6, 7 p.m. at night. They really pulled it together. Yeah, they look great. Devin asks Ellie if the gala is romantic enough for her. And she says, Devin, it's perfect. And if you're wondering what this gala looks like, it's probably not unlike the galas held by the leaders of Italy's uh, government. You have the current president, who is Sergio Mattarella, and the current prime minister, who is uh, Giuseppe Conte. If they were hosting a gala, it would probably look just like this. You know, when I first met you, I thought your last name was Giuseppe. I get that occasionally. I don't understand why, because my well, last name uh, is not Giuseppe. Yeah, and it's it's not even Italian, but it just it the is. letters, if you look at it really quickly and you're not really paying attention, which I wasn't really paying attention when I first met you, you could, you know, you can see how it would happen. You weren't paying attention when you first met me and you haven't started yet. Can't <laughs> wait for it to uh, to finally happen. Right. Anyhow, Sarah and Chuck watch on from the balcony, getting a feel for this gala. Sarah tells Chuck that she knows that he's nervous, but they can't risk having the intersect malfunction because of Chuck's emotions, because that's been happening regularly. So she asks him to keep it together. Chuck doesn't really acknowledge this. Instead, he just pages Casey, who's staying in the big conspicuous van parked outside. Chuck tells Casey where the armed security guards are located, and Casey tells him that most of the entrances are secured, except for the service entrance. Sarah goes off to check out the service entrance, and Chuck remains on the lookout for possible assassins when he notices that all of the service staff and all of their various instruments, uh, like ice picks and carving knives, uh, all look like they could be used to harm someone. Oh, yeah, they could. All right. Uh, (laughs) That they could be anyone there could be the assassin. Devin approaches Chuck and asks if they're there to, quote, whack the premiere. And Chuck assures him that they're that they're there so that nobody gets whacked. Chuck then snarkily tells Devin to quit fooling around and to keep an eye on Ellie in order to protect her. As he says this, both of them notice that the Costa Graven premiere has found Ellie on the dance floor and is professing his love for her, saying that she must stand next to him all night long. This is, of course, not a good place to be, seeing as someone is trying to assassinate the premiere. Yeah, I know. Want to be standing near someone who is a assassination target. I really liked um, Devin's reaction here because I think like I could have seen him like getting so into like they could have taken it the route where he's like so into spy stuff that he kind of like forgets about Ellie. But I like that we see him like he's still protective of his wife. He still wants her like it's more important to him to keep her safe than to be a part of this mission. And I think that was like a line that this episode straddles pretty well. As Chuck notices Ellie standing next to the premiere, his eyes widen as if to say, Ruh-roh! And Devin makes uh, to go get Ellie when Chuck tells him that Sarah's got it under control because Sarah's a boss, gets shit done. Sarah approaches Ellie in the premiere to pull Ellie away, but the premiere is also smitten with Sarah. 
So if anything, he pulls Sarah and Ellie closer to him, which is also not ideal. It's I mean, it's great for the premiere, but it's not great for (laughs) Ellie and Sarah. The premiere flirts with them and makes a joke about not listening to his doctor, uh, a.k.a. Devin's orders about not like doing anything that's going to exhilarate his heart rate, which apparently he is uh, being around beautiful women. Yeah, he's excited. Sarah insists that she uh, needs Ellie for girl talk and takes her away to a nearby table. Ellie thanks Sarah and asks Sarah what she needs to talk about. Now, before we move on, is this something that you've done? Is this have you used the girl talk move to remove people from situations? Remove myself from a uh, head of state who I no longer wanted to speak to. Or um, that, or if there's an, another friend, because I think it's a pretty powerful tool, the girl talk thing, because it really yeah, I think it no, works nine um, times out of ten. I've I've definitely um, been in situations where this kind of thing has been deployed. I think particularly um, in situations like this, like at like a dance club or something, I feel like there was there's signals that girls give one another when they no longer want to be engaging with a person. And then Mm -hmm. you kind of can swoop in and it doesn't always like it's not always as sometimes you say, yeah, um, I need to borrow her for girl talk. And other times you're less diplomatic and you just bodily take take your friend away and get them out of that situation but yes um it is a powerful tool and it does it does work so i think that it's good that you know i think women are entitled to have that tool i just think it's funny that there's not really equivalent for guys it's like i can't really walk up and be like hey sorry i need him for guy talk like what is what is guy talk besides probably trucks locker room talk yeah trucks (laughs) hey man sorry i Sorry, I got to pull this guy away from this woman to talk to him about construction equipment. I do just Hey, man, think- did you see that big caterpillar bulldozer outside? Pretty sweet, right? <laughs> see how big the tires were? They can move a lot of dirt. <laughs> yeah, so that's guy talk. No, but hey, I- did you check out that, ex- <laughs> that excavator? It's pretty sweet. I used to love construction equipment as a, as a child. <laughs> yeah, you seem very knowledgeable about it. Um, <laughs> I-, I miss my calling. I should just go be... A construction worker. Yeah. Well, there's still time. I should go drive those big trucks. You're still an able-bodied 20-something-year-old man. You could probably get in on that if you want to. Lowercase (laughs) able-bodied. Very very small font on that. Very small font. No, but I think, like, in real life, you, like, it doesn't have to be gendered, I feel like. You could probably just go up to your friend and say, sorry, I'm having an emergency. I need to talk to them for a second. Like... You don't have to say that it's girl talk reasons. I it would definitely work on someone like the premiere, but mm-hmm. I I mean I think like you don't have to come up with the equivalent of bro talk. Like you could go up to if you if you had if I was talking to someone that I didn't want to be talking to and then I looked at you like help me, then you could come up and you wouldn't have to say girl talk or boy talk. You could probably just say, "Hey, let me talk hey. to her for a second. Hey, sorry, this is important. Aaron, I just shit my pants. I need help getting, <laughs> I mean, getting cleaned up. It wouldn't be the first time. Uh, <laughs> so anyhow, Ellie is thanking Sarah for pulling her away from the premiere and asks Sarah what she needed to talk about. Sarah doesn't really have anything, but Ellie decides that Sarah must want to talk to her about being Chuck's date to a gala, despite having recently broken up with Chuck. Yeah, that's, which, that's actually pretty that's, weird. <laughs> It is a very weird thing. Thank you for pointing that out, Ellie. Why Why is Sarah Chuck's date for this gala? But as this is happening, Devin asked Chuck if he and Sarah ever, quote, you know, to which Chuck bluntly says no. Devin is surprised by this, saying that he thought that Chuck and Sarah were a real couple. 
I'm assuming in addition to their cover. Ellie, meanwhile, continues to press Sarah and asserts that Sarah must still have feelings for Chuck since she is at this gala wearing a fancy dress. This is uh, Ellie's professional opinion as a, pro- a medical professional. Yeah, that's um, some airtight logic. Sentimental music cues up during this time, so we know that the heart-to-hearts are getting real powerful. <laughs> Chuck tells Devin that it's their job to fool everyday people into thinking that they're a real couple. And Devin comments that that must be very difficult, especially the not having sex part. And Chuck acknowledges this with a pretty good deadpan look. Sarah tells Ellie that she doesn't think that Ellie understands her and Chuck's situation, which is true. But Ellie insists that she does understand. Ellie says that you go through hot and cold patches in a relationship, but it's night like nights like this that remind you of how you felt in the very beginning. Casey interrupts at this point and says that there has been enough chit chat and that Sarah and Chuck need to get back to protecting the foreign head of state in the room. The premier takes the floor to deliver a speech at this point. The premier is in a joyous mood with his new lease on life and asks Ellie to give him the honor of dancing on Costa Graven soil, which is how embassies work. I think don't hold me to that (laughs) or consulates. I'm not really sure. This is a consulate, but I do think that is how they work. I'm just a simple construction worker. I don't know (laughs) anything about diplomacy or international affairs. But what I do know is that in Italy, On June 2nd of each year, a national holiday takes place called Festa della Repubblica, also known as, I am assuming, the the Festival of the Republic. And that is on June 2nd, and it has the the honor of commemorating the birth of the Italian Republic, which happened in 1946 following World War II. This this reminded me of the... Uh, the celebration that is happening in the second Twilight book when they go to Italy. And I don't think it's that. It's definitely not that. But now I want to know what that is. So while you're talking, I'm going to just look that up. So the premier approaches Ellie trying to take her hand, but Ellie politely declines. But the premier insists and the spotlight shines on her. So she agrees because she gives into peer pressure. As it turns out, the Costa Gravens have a pretty provocative style of dance. So Ellie is caught off guard when the premier grabs her from behind and sways with her. It's pretty risque. There's a lot of touching, which only can be described as probably uh, wouldn't get you arrested, but would get you kicked out of a middle school dance. <laughs> yes, would it would. Say. <laughs> it's not so bad that you're like, you're going to jail, but it's bad enough. You're like, you need to leave this middle school dance. Devin seems unsure about this. And Chuck and Sarah are concerned about Ellie's proximity to the premiere. As this is happening, Chuck, uh, Casey IDs a Costa Garavan rebel who is allegedly at the gala. Chuck and Sarah look around and indeed find the uh, rebel, a.k.a. freedom fighter, standing in a corner wearing a tuxedo. But, you know, maybe he's just trying to enjoy the night, you know, forget about work. But we can't say for sure. Sarah and Chuck decide that they need to take the freedom fighter out because they think that he's the possible assassin. And Sarah very quickly outlines the situation for us. They can't make a big scene since they are on Costa Graven soil and the guards will attack them if they make any sudden movements toward the premiere. Chuck stands and thinks and listens to the music and all of a sudden flashes and becomes an expert in dance. He takes Sarah and says, follow my lead. The two do a very impressive dance, the likes of which we have not seen since Chuck versus the tango. You might call it a flash dance. Ayo. Uh, Well, I I stole that from from an IMDb review, so I give the credit to the reviewer and not me. But, you know. Yep, just another instance of plagiarism here. Go check yourself. Also, speaking of plagiarism, just to... uh, conclude the little thought that i mentioned earlier um the event that is uh, happening in twilight new moon is the feast of saint mark which is uh 
It's celebrated on April 25th, and it says the 25th of April is a national holiday throughout Italy, though not as St. Mark's Day, but as the anniversary of the liberation of Italy from the Nazi fascists in World War II. So similar similar to yours, but it's in April and not in the summer. That's a good thing to celebrate. I think that they uh, they deserve to have two days for it. Yeah. So Chuck and Sarah are dancing and they're uh, spinning and spinning and twirling. The Freedom Fighter approaches until he's behind Chuck. The Freedom Fighter reaches into his pocket and Sarah says behind you and Chuck elbows the Freedom Fighter in the face, knocking him into a table. Sarah apologizes to the Freedom Fighter and realizes that he's not an assassin. Uh, he's just a protester who is going to hit the premiere with a rotten egg. Chuck pages Casey to tell him that they were wrong, and the Costa Garavan guards pull Chuck and Sarah out of the event and tell them to sober up in the alleyway. Sarah and Chuck are taken into a stock room, and on their way in, they pass one of the Costa Garavan guards who um, looks a little bit more sinister than the others, perhaps. Chuck flashes on this man and realizes that he's the actual assassin, but it's too late. <gasps> Sarah and Chuck have been locked out of the gala. They page Casey and tell him that the premiere is totally unprotected and they need to get back into the gala to save him. Casey groans, and in the next scene, we see Casey dressed as a mustached Costa Gravin guard awkward, awkwardly entering the event. He looks around and makes his way to the premiere. As this is happening, the assassin also decides to make his way to the premiere. Casey takes out his gun, and the assassin takes out his poison needle. It's getting pretty intense. Ellie says to <gasps> Devin, doesn't it feel like anything can happen tonight? Devin sees Casey take his gun out, does not recognize Casey with the mustache, and assumes that Casey is the assassin that they were talking about. And Devin decides to charge at Casey, knocking him to the ground. Casey's false mustache flies into a glass of champagne. <laughs> do you, it was. Do you see that shot? Yeah, I did. That, that was weird. I don't think the physics of that should have made sense. No, but and it was must- pretty fun seeing it float in there. And correct me if I'm wrong. It never really comes back at all. No, there's no point. No, you, it, it should have. Like, off. I feel like there's probably a deleted idea that was like somebody tries to take a sip of it, or somebody looks at it in disgust. But none of those mm-hmm. things happened. So the only thing that happens is that Devin looks at the newly clean-shaven Casey. It says Casey. Turns out that Devin is not the only one that recognizes Casey without his mustache. The Costa Gravin guards immediately recognize the infamous Angel de la Morte and haul him away. And all of this commotion, the actual assassin slinks off into the background. The premier approaches Devin and thanks him for saving his life yet again. Ellie, who did not see or recognize Casey at all, says, you tackled the assassin? I can't believe it. And Devin says, neither can I, because he knows that he done fucked up. <laughs> Later that night, Sarah and Chuck are at Castle speaking to Beckman, who is also dressed up because the show's wardrobe department must have found like a <laughs> buy two fancy dresses, get the third free deal at Macy's. She was looking <laughs> good, though. <laughs> uh beckman tells sarah and chuck to hold their horses but chuck insists that they need to send a team to save casey beckman insists that they need to save casey using diplomatic channels and that casey can handle himself in the meantime handle himself he can in a costa Gravin bunker casey is strapped to a chair while the premier laughs at the irony of the angel of death trying to protect him the premier asks him why why he should believe casey after all of casey's failed attempts to assassinate him in case he doesn't do a good job convincing him otherwise, the premier eventually says he's heard enough of Casey's imperialist lies, to which Casey says, don't call me an imperialist, you commie bastard. And the henchman stuffs a rag in Casey's mouth. Yeah, he does. Uh, I don't think if we, we mentioned it before, but I'm assuming that the, the idea behind the premier and kind of the failed assassination attempts are it's like referencing Fidel Castro. Yeah, I think that's and all the that, failed assassination attempts. Yeah, yeah. that's what was, we're going for. It was funny. I appreciate that. 
Yeah. With Casey unable to speak, the assassin returns and injects poison into a cigar, basically right next to the premiere, but the premiere doesn't see it. The assassin presents the premiere with a poison cigar and the premiere puts it in his mouth as Casey tries and fails to warn him. As the premiere makes to light the cigar, Casey kicks it out of his mouth. The premiere explains that this is a genuine Costa Graven cigar, so the Cuban parallels continue, and lights it again. He inhales and then falls to the ground. The assassin smiles. So the premiere has officially been poisoned ah! from his cigar. That's why smoking's bad. That is Don't the only it. reason that smoking is bad. <laughs> you should avoid cigars. They might be poisoned with potassium. Vape things. Vape things. You never know. You never know when a Costa Gravin. <laughs> yeah, that's what the I'm I'm hip. I'm with it. I know all about <laughs> vape things. Putting your juice in the vape thing and <laughs> blowing out fruit scented mist. I don't I don't know what it is. Uh let's see. Back at Devin and Ellie's new apartment. Ellie thanks Devin for such a nice night and they start making out. Devin's phone rings and Ellie's upset, but it's the consulate saying that the premier needs Devin's help again. So Devin Hightails it out of there, leaving Ellie with a uh, serious case of blue balls. Yeah, I guess. I guess that's I mean, it's fine to say that. That's fine. I know that she does not have balls, but figuratively, her balls are blue. In this I moment. mean, I feel like the question to ask you at this point is like, is that is that a, a is that a literal thing that happens? You know, is it just an expression? Are you asking for a friend? Yeah, I'm asking for a friend. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, you can tell your friend that is just an expression okay. and it is not a literal thing. I mean, that was what I that was what I thought. But, you know, now now that we're here talking about it, just making sure. Yeah, well, you can go back and tell your friend. OK, that. I will. And you, you, while you're at it, you can also tell your friend that uh, Italy has the highest level of animal biodiversity in all of continental Europe. Wow, that's really interesting. Do you want to expand on that? Uh, it just means that they they have a lot of different birds and and wolves. Well, that makes and sense. Other, it's a very other critters running around. It's a very diverse area. They've got they've got the coast. They've got mountains. They've got uh, different climates. They've got cities. They've got they've got a lot of stuff there. So that makes sense. So relay that back to your friend. I will. Anyhow, back in the world of Chuck, Devin bumps into Chuck in the courtyard and tells him that he has a way of rescuing Casey. Chuck is initially not interested because it's too risky, but Devin assures him that he can get Chuck and Sarah into the consulate and save the premiere by being the premier's doctor and then while they're inside they can save casey devin says that he will get chuck inside and then leave the rest of the spy stuff to the pros chuck agrees and brings devin to castle which is crazy he just brings devin to castle he's a civilian well, inside castle well he already brought drill to castle and she was actually bad so devin is stoked to be in chuck's secret base but chuck tells him not to touch anything chuck is looking up the blueprints for the consulate when sarah walks in and says what the hell are you doing I don't. Does she actually say that? She must. Yeah, actually say no, that. she does. She says pretty much exactly that. It's hard to uh, to figure out when I'm paraphrasing Sarah and uh, when it's not surprised to see Sarah. Chuck asks her what she's doing since she's also supposed to be waiting for the diplomatic channels to rescue Casey. But Sarah don't give a shit and says that Chuck was way out of line bringing a civilian into castle. So she just ignores his question. Chuck retorts by saying it's no more out of line than invading foreign soul soil. And Sarah says that Chuck and Devin don't want any part of what she's about to do. Sarah then makes a quip about Chuck not wanting his family getting wrapped up in the CIA. But Chuck insists that Devin can get them into the consulate safely. And Sarah immediately agrees. All this time, it seems that the premiere is probably rapidly inching closer to death. Seems like a lot of dilly-daddling people. 
We have a foreign head of state to save. Do they know how long the poison's going to take to kill him? They're just like really taking their sweet ass time. Yeah, they're taking their time. So yeah, Devin leads Chuck and Sarah, who are now disguised, wearing glasses and doctor's coats, into the consulate. In his cell, Casey is relieved of his gag by the assassin, who is British, and says he's there to kill Casey. I have no idea why he didn't just do that earlier, right after he poisoned the premiere, but apparently he left and then came back, and now he's going to kill Casey? Who knows? Casey asks who the guy works for, and the guy says he works for The Ring. He says The Ring wants to keep Costa Grava from achieving democracy for some reason, but it's unclear. The Ring is just bad. They, they hate democracy. We start cutting between this and Devin and company. Sarah and Chuck are pretending to be Devin's assistants, so Devin gives Sarah whispered instructions on which instruments to hand him. There's a nice moment between Casey and the assassin. Not, like, literally nice, it's just, like, nice for the show. They don't, like, exchange pleasantries. Uh, the assassin holds a needle to Casey's neck and says, there's enough poison in this needle to kill an army platoon. And Casey says, lucky for me, I'm a Marine. This made me say, hell yeah, out loud. So that was yeah, fun. Yeah, I felt very, I felt very weirdly patriotic in <laughs> no, that I moment. Did, I don't me know too. why. I was like, yeah, the Marines, don't <laughs> fuck with the Marines. I'm like, wow, this, I'm not usually that yeah. like pro-military complex. Yep. When Casey fights the assassin, Sarah fights the guards. It's pretty boss. The bad guy stabs Casey in the leg with the needle, but he doesn't push the plunger, so Casey doesn't get poisoned. He just gets stabbed. Sarah knocks out the guards, and she and Chuck escape, leaving Devin with the unconscious premiere to do his thing. They get to Casey just as he knocks out the bad guy and takes the needle out of his leg, but right then he gets shot by another guard who calls him the Angel of Death. So he's his his leg is injured. He he didn't get poisoned, but he did get shot. So he's he's a mm-hmm. little he's a little he's bloody. He's wounded. Uh, they all return to pick up Devin and tell Devin that it's time to go. But Devin says his mission's not over. He still has to save the premiere, which is pretty admirable on his part. Mm-hmm. He is steadfast in this, even when Chuck, Casey, and Sarah try to convince him not to, saying all the bad things the premiere has done. The Costa Graven guards show back up. This bit is a little bit confusing because they know Casey is the angel of death, but when he tells them he's there to help the premiere and then collapses from his bullet wound, the lead guard tells Chuck and Sarah to prove they're actually doctors by saving Casey's life. I think he knows they're not really doctors and he's just being cruel, but I don't know, like, Chuck and Sarah are very clearly in with Casey on whatever's going on, so I don't know what them being doctors has to do with anything, like, it's... I don't feel like that's going to prove one way or the other that they're not assassins, but whatever. It's it's yeah. Uh, it's, like, <laughs> it's implying that they someone who's a doctor and someone who's an assassin are can, like that they're mutually exclusive. Like yeah. no, they could just also be like assassins that have medical experience. Yeah, like if he knows that they are Casey's comrades, <laughs> like that's it. It doesn't like, really uh, make any sense. But I, I see that you are a real doctor. There is no way that you could possibly then also be an assassin because yeah. you are only a doctor. Yes. People are only one thing, Chris. That's right. So the guards say no one was passed out in Casey's cell, so the bad guy is apparently on the loose, and Chuck now has to operate on Casey's leg without anesthesia. He's nervous at first, but Devin and Sarah both reassure him, and he's able to relax enough to flash on doctor things. He begins operating with ease. He extracts the bullet, and everyone is proud and surprised until the premiere's heart monitor starts going off. Devin says there's nothing they can do for him without a hospital and a blood transfusion, but he doesn't even know the premiere's blood type. Guess what? Casey does! <laughs> do you know your blood type? Have we talked about this before? I do know my blood type. What it, What is it? Do you want to say it on mic? Does it matter? <laughs> my, well, no, I appreciate it because my blood type is A positive, 
which means oh. that I literally have A pluses running through my veins. Wow. Because I have- I'm exceptional. Committed to to making quality content that is appreciated by other A plus individuals in the it's the I'm running out of adjectives here to describe Italy. The uh oh god, per- I can't even pers- perspicacious. The, the perspicacious country of Italy. Let me, what is pers- I, I, uh Having a ready insight into an understanding of things. Okay, yes. Yes, that is correct. Yes. Italy, um, Italians are very perspicacious, per- perspicuous. Pers- pers- perspicacious. Um, I have the no idea. The perspicacious Pope prefers Peppa Pig's podcast. All right, you're doing pretty good. Um, I do not know my blood type. I have had my blood taken, so I don't know why no one ever told me what my blood type was. I had, I'm going to the doctor soon, so I'll I'll check with them what my blood type is, and then I'll let you know. You seem like a real D minus to me. Wow, is that? I don't think that's a type. I want to invent a new type. I want to be O negative. That's what I want to be. Universal donor. I, I, I can see that. Nice. Okay. So when no one volunteers for the blood transfusion, Chuck grabs Casey's dog tags of his neck and reveals that Casey has the same blood type. Casey adamantly refuses to give the premiere any of his blood, but Chuck gasses him with anesthesia. This is very, very, very immoral and illegal, but I guess the irony is that Casey is the angel of death who has always been trying to kill the premiere, but now he's actually giving him life. Mm Mm-hmm. When Casey comes to, Beckman thanks him for his sacrifice, but the biggest gesture is a crate of pre-revolutionary Costa Gravin cigars and a note from the premiere in which he thanks Casey and calls him the Angel of Life. That, uh, that one he doesn't say in Spanish. I guess they didn't nope. think English-speaking viewers would know the Spanish word for life. Vida? Sounds good to me. Sounds like they were right. English speakers do <laughs> not know the Spanish word for life. Uh, Devin drops by the orange orange to tell Chuck that while he enjoyed the funner parts of spy life, he doesn't think he could commit to a real double life of missions because it would mean giving up half his real life. I think this moment might have been more powerful if we saw, like, if we had seen some part of Devin dealing with the double life conundrum. I was thinking maybe there was a deleted scene, whether or not it was, like, an actually shot scene. Maybe there was something, like... I don't know if we'd seen him lying to Ellie a little bit more, if we'd seen like maybe Ellie had called Devin while he was on his spy mission and he wasn't able to answer. Like, I I buy this from him, but I feel like I wish there had been like one more scene where he like, which would really drive home. He doesn't want because he mentions the double life thing. And I feel like we don't really see him struggling with that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I I think it could have been a little more powerful, but it was still a good moment and it was kind of. It was a nice heel turn because he had been so into like, I love the adrenaline. And now he's like, no, I don't actually want that. That seems that seems too hard. Devin leaves to spend time with Ellie and give Chuck some alone time with Sarah. Sarah comments that Devin would have made an awesome spy. Chuck asks her what she thinks their cover should be moving forward and Sarah suggests friends. It's a bittersweet moment as they try to figure out what platonic adult friends do with one another. I have a suggestion, though. They should start a podcast. Devin calls Ellie to let her know he's coming home after one more patient. She tells him she has a surprise for him, and we see from her end that it's a gorgeous unpacked apartment. She did it all herself, despite her several back-to-back shifts and being really tired. So Ellie is really the hero of this episode. Devin walks in to see his last patient, and it's the bad assassin guy, and he has a needle. We cut to Chuck getting the news about whatever happened to Devin from Sarah. We don't know exactly what it was, but both of them look extremely grave as Ellie walks out of her apartment and asks if either of them have seen her husband. And that's the end. We don't know. We don't know what's happening. Uh Uh-huh. Where's Devin? Is he alive? What happened to Devin? Where is he? What's Ah! going on? 
What did you do to him? Don't you touch a hair on his perfect head. I yeah, that's what that's what someone might say in the following episode. We don't know yet. That's uh, well, that's just what I said when I was watching it and I, I wrote it down. Oh, OK, I good. was yelling you, at the, you yelled the TV. That? OK, that's yeah. nice. Um, this uh, is this is the first episode that the Bymore is not in. So that's interesting. Yeah, it wasn't in there at all. Yeah. Did you was, did uh, you like that or did you did you feel its absence? Were you did you like its absence? Did you not like its absence? I uh, I liked its absence. Yeah, I did, too. I think I don't think it has to be in every episode. No, it was a, a nice, refreshing change of change of pace, change of scenery. Yeah. Uh, absence makes the of, heart grow fonder. Nice. <laughs> speaking of scenic things, uh, it was almost as scenic as <laughs> Italy's largest lake, which is, of course, Lake Garda. What a beautiful body of water. It's a, yeah, I'm sure it is. I'll have to I'll have to visit. And uh, yeah, so the episode ends on this massive cliffhanger yeah this similar is a bigger one it's uh almost as high up as italy's highest Jesus. point which is of course mont bianco which stands at fifteen thousand seven hundred eighty feet or uh using the metric system uh let's see 4810 meters so my last name comes from a mountain mountain range or mountain title or name of a mountain what? something in Italy. That's what my are last. You serious? Wait, you this whole time are you Italian? Yes, Chris. This whole time you've been Italian. This whole time I've been Italian. We're so talking have... about Italy and all these facts and doing a celebration of Italy, and you decide to mention at the almost towards the end that you yourself are Italian. I myself am Italian, so in a way, I myself am uh, honoring Italy by existing. So is this why people is are, is it is my this relatives? Why the Italians gravitate towards you is because you are an Italian American icon. I guess is that, sure. Is that I'll... fair to say? Can, can we say can we describe you in this season three, this season of Aaron as uh, sorry hashtag season of Aaron as an Italian American icon? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Let's do it. Let's. That's that's what it is. <laughs> I'm trying. I'm just trying to figure out what the mountain that I am talking about is to see. I don't think it's the the highest mountain that you are mentioning. Well, is um, it the Matterhorn? Is it Mont Rosa? Is, is it, it Grand mountain? Paradiso? Mont is it Saccarello? Bernina? Stelvio? The Dolomites? <laughs> These are all spectacular magnificent mountains in in italy i want to say it's the Ap apennine mountains okay i want to say it has something to do with that but sure uh, those uh form the peninsula's backbone from what i hear ah, i see all right yes you know. well thank you for uh, uh talking so much about my people here you're welcome i'm just glad that your people are listening whether they're the people uh in arizona that or neighbors with your parents or the people in Italy that are listening. Anyhow, speaking of things that are the backbone, a segment here that is the backbone of our show is Chuck, Mary kill, where we identify one part of this episode that we'd like to marry one part of this episode that we would like to kill. And Aaron, I would love to hear what your Mary is. And I hope that uh, unlike Devin and Ellie's marriage, that your marriage never gets stale or cold. Well, that's that it's only, only one big hot patch, like the, aforementioned volcanoes we discussed earlier that is uh that's actually a pretty good transition not the volcano part the Devin and ellie part because i really um 
I really liked the opening. I thought that there was kind of like a Grey's Anatomy vibe. I liked, I, I don't know. I just liked seeing this like very sweet and kind of like Devin and Ellie, more so Ellie than Devin, but like the two of them are kind of like portrayed as having it together. They have a plan. They're like always mm-hmm. kind of doing like the right thing. And I liked seeing this kind of like charged and like passionate and like kind of reckless moment from them. Like I liked seeing, and I liked imagining like what came before that it was their first day of med school and they like met and they ended up in a closet. Like that's, it's kind of out of character for them, but it's like out of character in a cool way where it like makes me understand and like their characters more. So I thought Mm -hmm. that was a really cute sequence um, that gave me a lot more insight into both of their characters. So I like that. What about you? Uh, I wanted to marry Zach Levi's acting this week. All right. I feel like sometimes he can be a little bit over the top, but I think he really crushed it with the subtlety this week, both for comedic effect, like when talking to Devin about his fake relationship with Sarah and the the, the not sex component of that. Um, but also, I think he was using subtlety for dramatic effect when Chuck and Sarah uh, talk in the orange orange and enter the friend zone is a emotionally charged scene but it's not over the top and it's just like the right level of kind of sadness in it you know what i mean i think that's a good one i was just really impressed i was like you know what he's doing a great job he does a good job every week but this week it was uh it was extra good it was pretty good what would you like to kill so this is one of my not so much a kill as just something that i wish had been a little bit more developed but I didn't really like that um, Casey gave his blood against his will. I think it would have been stronger. <laughs> I mean, like, besides the obvious problems with that, I think it would have been. I'm just really against people stealing each other's blood. Yeah, I'm. well, I do like vampires. So if it's in a vampire context, I am OK Whoa. with it. I don't like where this is going. <laughs> well, I already talked I about Twilight this episode. <laughs> I was not thinking about it because I was doing my episode description, but don't don't say it. Scott, don't say his Scott, name. Scott, Scott, Scott Dracula? Say, no. <laughs> um, no, I I think it would have been better if Casey had kind of like begrudgingly agreed to give his blood. Like, I think it would have mm-hmm. been stronger if it was his decision rather than like something. And I don't think that's that crazy. Like, I could believe Casey would do that. Yeah, that's valid. That's that's a good point. Yeah, and I feel like I could imagine, like, patriotic music plays as he's like, fine, I'm doing my duty for democracy or, like, whatever. Like, I think... And then just a minor thing is this is one of the cases where the title doesn't really make sense because Chuck is not really coming up against the Angel de la Morte. He's just, uh, like, that's just a phrase that is used. So Mm. I think, like, I don't know if it would be Chuck versus the premiere. I, I guess they can't really use Chuck versus the broken heart again, but I feel like there's just, like, I don't know, there's other... There's other things that could have could have been mentioned here other than that. So it's catchy. It gets you to tune in. You hear you hear Chuck versus the angel of of death and you're like, ah, I wonder what that's about. Yeah, that's fair. But I just think it's it's uh, just technically you're right. Technically Chuck is not facing off with that. Yeah. So that's a good point. What is what Uh, would you kill? So I was thinking. Why is it that Sarah has to wear the stripper version of a nurse costume? That's they go undercover fair. as medical professionals. Mm-hmm. Why can't she? Because Chuck is just wearing scrubs. Yes. Why can't she just be wearing scrubs? Yeah. Like Chuck. Mm-hmm. And in fact, wouldn't it have been better for her to wear scrubs as a cover? Because it wouldn't rouse suspicion. Like, who do you think 
if she's just like dressed like an actual nurse and she's wearing like Looney Tune scrubs or like Rugrat scrubs or whatever, maybe I only have experience with pediatric <laughs> nurses, but just like normal scrubs. Are you going to think that that person is a real nurse or do you think the one that's wearing a mini skirt like and a like spirit weird, Halloween nurse costume? Yeah, like 1940s World War Two medical nurse thing in a tent. I don't know. Yeah, no, I think that's it's, completely fair. It was cool that I liked I like her her. I enjoyed the fight scene because mm-hmm. they're like, how are we going to deal with this? And he's just like, oh, Sarah will take care of it. And she did. Yeah. But I think it would have been really cool if she was not. I don't know. I just think it was unnecessary. Sexualized. Kind of, yeah. Yeah, felt like unnecessary sec- sexualization. Yeah, well, especially because, like, I don't know, like, there's there's kind of a funny, there's a joke there if it was, like, neat, like, this, I don't think this would happen because it wouldn't really make sense, but, like, if they didn't have time to get real doctor's uniforms, so they just went to a Halloween store, and Chuck was also in, like, a sexy doctor that he was, like, shirtless under, and it was, like, just a lab coat and, like, tight pants oh, yeah. or something. yeah, that would have been good. Like, that would have been cute, but, like, yeah, I... Even just aesthetically, it looked weird when, like, Chuck and Devin were both mm-hmm. in, like, normal things, and then Sarah's in this, like, short thing. Because that's, like, Ellie doesn't wear that. Like, no. Ellie wears scrubs, so, like, yeah. But in this case, Sarah don't want no scrubs. <laughs> so I have a few things I just wanted to um, point out. One is a question that comes from an IGN review. Um, and this is something that I don't know that I've ever thought about directly, but... So this is this is the line directly from the review. I think we all presume Chuck only can access these abilities for a short amount of time and then they are gone. But is there a time limit? Can he access more than one intersect ability at a time? And I think this is interesting because I also definitely like I don't think he always knows Kung Fu because if he always knew Kung Fu, he wouldn't need to flash each time like he could always fight people and and Mm -hmm. there's definitely like some tension of is he going to be able to flash? But I think that's really interesting like what is what is the like refractory period of like the intersect abilities <laughs> can i use that term that's that's that applies here right i was really proud of myself for pulling that term out so let me let me have this one chris i guess it does apply there <laughs> and it follows the innuendo that they use when discussing chuck in yeah. the intersect so that was pretty clever yeah i don't know it seems like he kind of using a similar analogy it kind of feels like the flash happens and it's like an initial rush and Uh he like is really in the zone and then it very gradually kind of like tapers out until it's not happening anymore so you know what i mean yep i i do know what you mean I don't think you can do it multiple times at the you can't do you can't have that happening concurrently as it's happened. I think you can just do one and then it goes it happens for a little while and then all of a sudden he's done. And all then right. you can flash again in a little while. Um, so this is that talking about that with you was more uncomfortable than I anticipated it being. <laughs> uh, but the other thing, uh just bring in we can bring our uh our mood back down, or I don't know if it's really down, but Um, I did want to, I don't know if this is our official review segment, but I did want to highlight a review that I read on IMDb. So the review on the subject line is love Armand Asante. And then the, the review continues, but I don't think he was used to his full potential, which is really a bummer. His guest arc on NCIS was much better. And this was from September 24th, 2019. So, um, just, I, I found that quite interesting. 
Someone someone loves Armando Sante. He wanted they they wanted to just get in, get in and sure. Um, but they didn't think that he was used to his full potential. Well, although my two favorite Italian Americans are Aaron Arada and Armando Sante. That's really nice. I can't, I can't speak to the uh I don't know the rest of his body of work, so I don't know what his potential is. I thought he did a lovely job in this particular episode, but maybe he's got he's got more skills that he didn't exhibit. But I thought he was funny. He wasn't he wasn't that menacing at points, but he was he could be stern. He was kind of he had like a charisma to him, which was fun. Yeah, I, think he did a good I job. thought he did a good job, but I have not seen his NCIS arc. So I guess I've got to check that one out. Yep. Why don't you check that out and get back to us? Because I am not watching NCIS. <laughs> So now is typically when we would do the scooter scale, which is a corn dog method for ranking an episode of Chuck zero to five corn dogs in terms of quality. But since this is a celebration of Italy, uh, we're going to be doing the prosciutto scale, uh, zero to five slices of prosciutto. Hell yeah. Sounds delicious. It won't actually be on the scooter scale, so we won't actually know what the scooter scale rankings are for this. But on the prosciutto scale, Aaron, how many pieces of prosciutto would you give this episode? I would like to give this episode 4.5 pieces of prosciutto. Yes? Yes, I really enjoyed this episode. I thought that um, the the Devon plotline was really interesting. I thought that I had a, a really good time with um, everything that was going on. I liked that we kind of hit a lot of beats that had been hit in previous episodes, especially in the first season, but like with Devon's in entrance into the spy world. I thought that there was some new elements to it. I thought that um, the emotional um, intrigue of how Chuck is feeling about his brother-in-law being involved in this world and um, Devin's feelings were very interesting. I liked having a break from the buy more. Um, I did actually like for the first time, like, I'm glad that it wasn't in this episode, but it made me wonder, like, I wonder what they're doing right now. Like, I miss them a little bit for not seeing them. Uh -huh. So I thought that that was it was nice that the show made me do that. And then I think that um, Casey, Casey did well in this episode. Sarah did well in this episode. The Armando Sante was really funny. Um, and I thought that it was a it was a fun episode that had some emotional weight to it. So I've thrown out four point five. I had a lot of fun watching it. Yes, I also will be giving 4.5 wow. slices of prosciutto. Twins, uh, I really enjoyed this one. I thought it was a nice change of pace, kind of like I mentioned, a nice change of scenery. And I really liked how involved Ellie and Devin were. It was kind of cool that they were in the, the A plot instead of just being you know, designated as a B plot, sort of. Um, I totally I agree. And I like seeing, sorry to hijack your, um, your thought. No, but, what else do I like about this episode, Aaron? Well, I and possibly you like that we see some more about them other than then, like Devin being kind of broy and Ellie kind of nagging Chuck. Like I like to mm -hmm. see like their self-contained story about their relationship and how it's growing and changing with marriage and everything. Like I like to see, I I like that we just saw them in their homes and like Chuck wasn't even there. Chuck wasn't in the next room or anything. Like that was nice. Mm -hmm. Yep, I, I agree with that. So I will take that and plagiarize that for my review because that was better than what I have written. Uh, I yeah, I, had, I I enjoyed the break from the buy more stuff. I thought that this episode was really tight and fun. And then the end just really caught me off guard because I thought we were kind of set up for a happy ending, it seemed. But then all of a sudden the cliffhanger happens and I just had to knew I had to know what was going to happen next. I know you were 
going to Arizona, so we weren't going to be recording right away. But I was like, I got, I got to know. I can't wait. I got to watch the next episode. So yeah, uh, I think it was just really solid. I really enjoyed it, and uh, yeah, it was a, a delight. Much like the people of Italy. So thank you to our Italian listeners who have brought us to number one. Um, I don't want to discount the country of Italy because they have done so much for us. But if your country could bring us to number one, if you live in somewhere other than Italy and you want us to highlight you, maybe next week, maybe sometime in the future, you know, you could do this are too. You, are you trying to instigate a war between Italy and another nation? Oh, my God. To- <laughs> <laughs> I guess I am. Wow, wow, I didn't realize that this was actually how it happened, but um, sometimes you're just like, you're you're so far along a path, you don't realize how far you are until it's too late. <laughs> yes, if you, if you uh, want to also have a special episode of Go Check Yourself dedicated to your home country, just make us number one and we will... We will shower you with praise. And then also this this shout out is solely to the hosts of the Peppa Pig podcast. I just want to say, uh, ha ha, I guess. I don't know. Boo boo hoo for you. Oh, I thought it was going to be a lot more intimidating. I thought it was going to be like, I have a message for the host of the Peppa Pig podcast. <laughs> We're watching you like, well, because yeah. we already beat watch them. Out. So I like I was going to say watch out, but we already beat them. So I don't like I, I don't I guess we have to watch out for them. So, like, I guess I should say, we're ready for you. If you come for us. <laughs> <laughs> and that was how World War Three was started. Two American podcast hosts started saying derogatory things about an Italian podcast about Peppa Pig. And the two nations slowly de- descended into war. I, I, I look forward to reading that in a textbook one day. You may also see in a textbook that Italy is the world's largest wine producer and also one of the leading producers of olive oil, which I'm sure our friend Frankie Muniz sells at his store. Oh my God, I think he does buy olive oil from Italy. Well, we'll have to talk about him. Talk about that with him. We will. He's eventually a a guest of the show, which will happen. It would be kind of fun if he came on only to talk about olive oil and like we weren't allowed to mention like Malcolm in the Middle or my dog Skip or Big Fat Liar. Like we could only talk to him about olive oil. I, that's fine. I'm that's down good. For that. Yeah, I'm down for that. That's actually a good bit. Uh, this has been that would be a good bit. This has been a good bit. I think it's time to lay the bit to rest. Uh, this has been a pleasure. I'm really looking forward to sitting down and having some gluten free Italian food and uh, toasting to like a real to Italian once more. <laughs> Just like a real Italian. No gluten for me uh aaron thank you it's been a pleasure i hope that you have a nice night uh i am chris gillespie and i am here to remind you that especially italian food is sexy oh my god i should have figured out how to say anything is possible in italian um just imagine that i'm doing that i'm aaron arata and i'm letting you know that anything is possible and i will play us out once again with the national anthem of italy we'll see you next week when we talk about chuck versus Operation Awesome. Thank you very much. Have a nice day. Bye-bye. Ciao. Ciao. Grazie. Thanks for listening. As always, a big thanks to the artist Hadakoa and the fine folks at freemusicarchive.org for providing us with our theme song, Warm Up. If you want to drop us a line, you can reach us at gocheckyourselfpodcast at gmail.com. 
Don't forget to like and subscribe to Go Check Yourself on your preferred podcast platform. New episodes come out every Monday morning and you do not want to miss a new episode. Thanks again. We'll see you next week. Bye bye.